So the only way forward through that is to take those who are choosing to opt out and to come together. And much like during the Civil War in the U.S., where people escaped to Canada and some people did indeed escape to Mexico using this decentralized network of safe houses and safe spaces that has become known as the Underground Railroad. That idea is going to be necessary, and it indeed has been necessary throughout history as people have tried to escape tyranny. You're listening to The Corbett Report. Welcome, friends. James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, in a conversation that's being recorded on the 6th of April, 2020. And attentive Corbett Report listeners will remember that our guest today, Derek Bros of the Conscious Resistance Network at uh, theconsciousresistance.com, We've talked to him many times in the past, and perhaps most importantly for the purposes of today's conversation, a conversation that we had quite recently on how to opt out of the technocratic state, a very important book that is now even more relevant than it was just a few months ago. Uh, And we're also going to be following up on a conversation that we had almost four years ago when uh, both of us looked a little bit younger. (laughs) The Freedom Cell Solution, we talked about that. And so I will put links to those conversations specifically in the show notes for today's conversation. Derek Bros, thanks for coming back on the program. Yeah, thanks, James, for having me. Today's, uh, I think, a really important conversation. Glad we can have it. Yeah, me too. Well, let's uh, start by just uh, putting it on the table. You're not in the States anymore. Where are you? I am hidden in a bunker in Mexico. (laughs) Somewhere in Mexico, location to be announced soon, hopefully. Um, but uh, when this whole thing started getting going in the U.S., for those who have heard me before, I'm based in Houston. Um, Houston being a major city, seeing everything else going on, didn't feel good about wanting to stay there. And now I'm thankful. Houston is one of the places where they've got Texas state troopers and doing unannounced uh, house searches for people who don't mind the quarantine if they return from a hot spot. So uh, me and my partner and uh, some other anarchists came out here to Mexico. There's a, a collection of people spread throughout the country who are very much uh, getting serious about looking for land, starting permaculture projects, or just kind of band together for you know resources and ideas. And uh, much of what we're going to talk about today is, is kind of the basis for why I'm here. Yeah, well, let's, let's get a sense of what uh, Mexico's reaction is like, because you know what's going on in Houston. So what do you see around you in your undisclosed location in Mexico? So I've been here for going on three weeks, and I've been to five different cities, <clears throat> drove around you know the most of the central part of the country, and um, there are the school closings, there are the few people wearing masks, there are um, some stores making sure you get a little hand sanitizer in your hand before you come in and stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, the Mexican people are going about their lives as usual. I mean, I, I just said to you a moment ago, I went to a market this morning to go get some food and it was probably busy as it ever is and people driving all over the place, going in, buying their food, going about their day. Um, <clears throat> I estimate the U.S., maybe like Japan, is probably about three weeks to a whole month behind the U.S. And far as, as far as reaction goes. Um, one of the reasons I did feel encouraged to come here is because the Mexican government is just financially insolvent. It's, it's too weak to do much of the things that happen in the United States. I mean, for one, there's no uh, attempts to roll out 5G as of yet here in uh, Mexico. Much of the country does live. Uh, there's rural, more simple, kind of humble villages. And there's definitely... Also, the factor that a lot of people, uh, according to some studies, live on $2 a day day or less. Uh, So there is some poverty, which could be a concern if things stay this way for a long time. Uh, But for the most part, I feel 
to some degree safer. I didn't come here because I like the government better, because I like the president better, or any of those sort of things. Um, but it's more just, a, I guess, a, a, a degree of relative freedom that out here you're not going to be hassled or beat by the cops for not wearing a seatbelt or for a lemonade stand or all the silly things that some of us have become accustomed to in the U.S. And I think because of the uh, financial uh, weak aspect of the the federal government, they simply don't have the resources to come lock everybody down. And uh, the Mexican president, for whatever his word is worth, has said, we're not going to take the authoritarian approach because it'll hurt our poorest among us. And so far that has been the case. There have been uh, some parts of this, the country, individual states have closed down and said, okay, we're going to cancel flights or some businesses are closing early or they're only doing the to-go and all that sort of stuff. But there's definitely no door-to-door searches going on. I have heard some reports of different parts of Mexico having thermal checkpoints and things of that sort. But uh, none of that has got to where I am at at the moment. Um, and yeah, so for the moment, I feel relatively safe. That doesn't mean I'm just sitting here relaxing and expecting that this will never advance, uh, which is, again, kind of the focus of why we're, we're talking today, because uh, this is a global problem. As your audience knows and my audience knows, this is a global problem. I, 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 this conversation keeps coming up as, I, as me and my friends, many who are from Mexico, born and raised, are starting to recognize, like, holy crap, some of the things that you guys were complaining about in the U.S. are starting to happen here. And uh, having the realistic conversation of what do we do if this doesn't just go away, if it encroaches on us, you know, as it is elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to just note that, yeah, now people are actually leaving the home of the free and the land of the brave to go to Mexico to find relatively greater degrees of freedom. But as you say, this is a global agenda. It is coming globally. It just might take a little bit longer to reach certain places than others, um, but it is coming. And that's really the point of what we want to drive home today is well, okay, so what are we going to do about it? And uh, of course, this is uh, touching on all of the conversations we've had in the past recently, but of course, touching on your recent work about the uh, formation of the counter-economic underground railroad and the growing of the Agora, which sounds like gibberish and gobbledygook to a lot of people who haven't heard our previous conversations. So let's reintroduce people to these concepts and what it is that you're attempting to do there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Again, for anybody who's just saw what James is holding, you can download it for free at consciousresistance.com slash how-to. I think most um, relative to this conversation and to our time right now is part two of the book, which deals with, as you said, James, the counter-economic underground railroad or simply the modern underground railroad. And uh, what I describe in the book, it was more specifically related to the technocracy. And we're seeing the technocracy advance in re- uh, response to this pandemic, panic, whatever you want to call it. They're propelling you know, 5G forward. They're pushing uh, CDC surveillance powers and all this kind of stuff we all know about. Um, so we knew this thing was coming. I didn't know a p- pandemic was going to help speed it up, but I definitely felt that it was right behind us. And in the U.S., for those who haven't been paying attention, within the next year, you were already going to have to submit to facial recognition in order to fly domestically. I mean, this is these are realities are becoming, um, you know, normal uh, increasingly every day. So, what do we do about it? Well, for me, the idea. Uh, the ultimate reality, I think, is banding together in communities, whether that means your family, your immediate family, your you know larger family or groups of families or groups of activists. What we talk, we're going to talk about today, freedom cells, hubs, circles, whatever. I think that coming together is the only solution because um, what we see is the mainstream dominant society is pushing 
the technocracy. It's pushing the normalization of biometrics, the pushing the normalization of uh, digital certificates to travel, you know, to prove your immunity. The UK just recently talked about having immunity passports and these kinds of ideas. These are going to happen. They might not happen after this pandemic, but obviously the, the ideas are being floated. It's going to happen. Like, like all the things that we've been theorizing, writing, talking about, it's here. It's very, very close. And what the book was trying to do is to get people to think very practically, what are you going to do? Don't think abstractly about this, but when you are told in your community, in order to travel, you need this piece of paper. In order for your family to get this loan or get this house or for you to apply for this new job or for your kids to go to school or for you to use public transportation, we need you to submit to biometrics or to uh, this passport or this wristband or this QR code or whatever it's gonna be. It might be different different places until it becomes unified. You're gonna have a decision. You either comply, go along with it because you're afraid or because that's just the best you can think of, or you're going to have to break the law. I mean, and that's, you know, good people disobey bad laws, but we're going to be coming to a place where that's going to be more clear than ever. And there's also people who are very concerned about uh, mandatory vaccinations and things of that sort becoming more normalized. You know, you have to think about this in practical terms. What are you going to do to protect you and your family um, other than just complying? I'm not invoking violence in any way at all, but I'm simply saying if we don't think ahead and, and think about how to opt out of these systems and how do we make that work, well, then we're going to end up in a very difficult situation and probably won't have any other recourse other than submitting or perhaps reacting violently. But if we use the bit of a window that we have right now and we start coming together in these decentralized groups and as individuals and as families and communities and having this conversation, like... So, you know, family, how, how would we handle this situation? You know, whether it's spouse to spouse or family altogether, like what are we going to do if they tell us that our kids have to be vaccinated in order for them to go anywhere? In order, you know, in China, they said their social credit system is designed to make it where antisocial people can't even leave the house eventually. You know, they want to completely stop people's ability to, to, to survive. So the only way forward through that is to take those who are choosing to opt out and to come together and, what I envisioned, and unfortunately I think it's it's already happening, is um, much like during the Civil War in the U.S., where people escaped to Canada, and some people did indeed escape to Mexico using this decentralized network of safe houses and safe spaces that has become known as the Underground Railroad. Obviously, Harriet, Tub Harriet Tubman and others played a big role in that. That that idea is going to be necessary, and it indeed has been necessary throughout history as people have tried to escape tyranny. You can look to China, you can look to North Korea, you can look to any time the governments try to become tyrannical, people will find a way out. They'll look for funneling supplies and goods in as well as people out. And so I tried to think about that in really practical terms. And in the book, I say as much as like, I have no idea how this is going to form necessarily, but this is the role that I will be involved in. I want to help make sure that the people who are trying to opt out of this system that's coming into view now, and maybe those who haven't made preparations can have some form of support. So in a large way, that's why I came to Mexico. And I mean, I, I was saying to you, James, I've got hundreds of emails in my inbox that I just haven't been able to catch up with, uh, specifically re related to this. People who not only asking questions about everything going on, but how do I help my family? Hey, I'm, you know, we got two kids and what are the rules to get over there? And just people are starting to rethink their entire lives everywhere from Romania to Germany. I mean, and anybody, if you're hearing this, I'm trying to get back to all the emails. I want to help everybody as much as I can. I'll also admit it's a bit overwhelming um, to know that I can't help everybody and I'm just not in a position to. But the whole goal is to whether that means from the U.S. to Mexico or if you're in the U.K. listening and somewhere near you is a little safer than being in London – 
you know, in establishing these safe spaces for people who are trying to get out and get away to places that might be less restrictive, might be more free, and coming together as free people. Because, I mean, if we stay separated and spread throughout the world and taking on these tyrannies alone, I mean, it's, I don't see very much coming, much good coming out of that. There's only so much we can do. And James, as you know, I mean, uh, people in our circles are being demonetized every day and being taken down from these platforms. And the masses don't apparently want to go to BitChute and go to the other places or visit our website. So sooner or later, as far as they're concerned, we're going to disappear. And um, we will not be reaching the hundreds of thousands or millions of people. And it'll be very, very difficult. So... Um, yeah, so the, the Underground Railroad is basically my attempt, to co- the counter-economic Underground Railroad, and, and that term, counter-economic, for those who haven't seen our previous conversations, it essentially just means the, the economy, the mainstream economy, the status economy is that, um, you know, taxable, they keep track of your income, all that sort of mainstream, you're paying taxes and all that. The counter-economy is the economy that opposes that, is outside of that, the informal economy, the black market, the gray market. And Samuel Konkin, who put these ideas forward, he was mainly focused on economics. But I also think that we should start thinking in terms of the food production system, the healthcare system, all the systems that have become under control of this technocracy of these corporate and governmental elite. We need to think of how we survive without those systems. And so the counter-economy is about opting out of that. And so that's why I call it the counter-economic underground railroad, because the idea is unplugging people from those systems, helping them escape from the technocratic state, and hopefully to build something better and to you know, start, whether that means people just join a neighborhood together or there's people out here who are looking for land and, and a lot of exciting projects um, that are unfortunately coming about because of a very dangerous situation. Well, you raise an important point, and that that is that the time for sort of online congregation and uh, taking solace in just finding other people online who share your same beliefs, that time is coming to an end. I mean, geographical, physical gathering together of people with like mind in order to carve out a space for against this agenda is going to be important. It also, of course, puts the big target on the back. Hey, here is everyone in the same ge- geographical location. That makes it a lot easier to take care of that problem in a number of different ways, using physical violence or or other tricks that are up the uh, the globalist sleeves. So this isn't an easy fight by any means. But uh, I think what we're saying is that ultimately geographical um, coming together is going to be necessary at some point in order to grow the agora. Yeah, and you're right about being centralized being dangerous. Uh- I was like, let's get Corbett and Bros and Dermis and all the different people and the, their, you know, uh, their listeners and everybody who cares about this into one giant place, right? That'll make it very easy for the powers that wish they were. But that, I think, leads to the concept of freedom cells and of keeping things decentralized, right? That um, for years we've been saying, like, look, what works in Houston won't necessarily work in Japan. What works in Colorado isn't going to work in, you know, Romania or whatever. That the concept of decentralized groups, what we, what I've been calling freedom cells now for about five or six years, um, which is just a group of seven to eight to nine people come together to share skills, share resources, share ideas, um, to be a support system and to educate each other in a number of different ways. And in the event it's necessary, defend and protect each other. Um, the, the whole goal of that concept is that those who are, and as I write about in the book, those who stay home, I call that strategy, you know, uh, holding down the fort. And then more what I'm doing is what I call exiting building. Some people would call it bugging and out, bugging out, but I prefer exit and build. So some people are going to choose to stay home and hold down the fort because it's just more financially viable. They don't want to leave their home, whatever it may be. And if that's your route, 
you need to get connected to people locally. This is why we have the Freedom Cells website so people can search and find people near them. And as you said, James, get past just the digital connection, but into the, the real, real world phase. Now, of course, that may, might be kind of difficult when you're being told not to gather in groups of more than two people at a time or you know, social distance, which, hey, maybe that plays a role in keeping people from organizing. Imagine that. Um, but find a way. And even if that means for the moment as you're establishing your freedom cell, the best you can do for the moment is a Zoom call until you find some safe place, you know, face-to-face to, to interact. Start there because, you know, there are a lot of these emails are people who would just say, I feel alone. There's nobody in my area. My family thinks I'm crazy. You know, I'm just, I'm seeing everything happen. And it's like, oh, my husband won't listen to me. My wife won't listen to me. My kids won't, you know, there's a lot of people who are looking for connection right now. Uh, both, I think, on more of just kind of a human level, feeling very alone and maybe just, uh, despairing a bit, but also people who are looking for solutions. So we want to keep this as decentralized as possible. If people think coming to Mexico is a good idea, even in Mexico, we're not all planning to be in one single place. The idea is that we've got some communities out west in Baja, Mexico, some people down you know, near Acapulco. There's a couple of people more centrally located, and, um, and we'll see how things form. There's other folks who are looking to other nations, and, and I think that's the idea is that we have to be able to organize wherever we can. And I believe that the Freedom Cells concept and this whole idea of an underground railroad has become more important than ever, James. And thankfully, you know, some people are realizing that. Unfortunately, human beings tend to wait till we feel threatened, till the things that we love, like, oh, no, I can't just sit at home and watch basketball all day and ignore the world. Like, this might be a real situation I have to face. And that is leading to a lot of new signups on the Freedom Cells website. And I'm thankful for that. Um, that's leading to a lot of new interest and questions about this concept. And this is what we are hopeful for. That's why I was hoping we could do this, because um, I think the people who really to, do take the situation seriously, without getting into the, all the theories and the arguing about whether this is real, you know, the, the point is it's being taken advantage of. The people in control are taking advantage of that. And while we want to argue and debate this and that, the police state is marching forward. The technocratic state is unrolling before our eyes. And most of the people that we're surrounded with, it seems, are welcoming it. So we're either going to be one among hundreds of thousands of people who love this state and think it's the best thing ever and think Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg are heroes and Jeff Bezos and all of them as they take over the world during this thing. Um, or we're going to find a way to connect together uh, digitally and then hopefully in, in the physical realm. And that's going to look different. And in some people's cases, I may be, you know, uh, some people are parents and they want to work with other parents. They want to have peaceful, uh, peaceful parenting communities or, you know, unschooling. They want to have that sort of connection to other parents who are of like mind that they can trust. There are other people who maybe are single and younger and they're just looking for people to kind of build from their perspective. Everybody's coming from different backgrounds. I've met folks who say, Hey, I've got money, but I can't work all day. I've got, uh, you know, resources, but I don't got any money, you know, and a mix of things. And right now is is an, is an opportune moment for us to take advantage of this. I don't know if what we're witnessing is the final step towards the new world order, or if it's just one giant leap towards that. But if it's just one giant leap and then we get a brief reprieve, I believe it's more important than ever for us to try to reach people and wake people up and build. Because if it doesn't get completed this moment, if for some reason things go back to any semblance of normal, whatever that was or is supposed to be, we have to, at least I'm taking it upon myself to help as many people as possible to put out you know, more valuable content, try to reach more people, uh, maybe go back to what I started off with in the first place and putting out flyers in Mexico out here and talking to people because, you know, there's there's just got to be a, an understanding that we have a limited window to reach people. Everything that people have been reading about and researching about on all these websites is coming true now. It's not 
some faraway distant theory that we can kind of speculate about anymore. It's right here in our faces. And I think that freedom cells have the opportunity to be a big part of this. Well, this is one of those times when the chips are down, um, that the rubber meets the road when it comes to the philosophy, the ideology that people are standing on. And obviously you and I have staked out our ideology on decentralization, but it is nonetheless the fact that in times of crisis and panic, the first thing people want to do is to centralize, to find a leader who will tell them what to do and how to get through this, and that will form some sort of organization that people can join up and then they can all just be safe under the shelter of centralization. So I guess the real question is, is there an alternative? Can people in a decentralized fashion combat this crisis that is happening right now for whatever reasons that it's happening or whatever is or isn't happening? There is a crisis that's going on. Can a decentralized solution actually work here? What do you have to say to that? Um, you know, I, I do believe that decentralization can work. You know, those are definitely, that's a great question. It's something I've been mulling over in my own head, as well as the question of, you know, is a peaceful exit out of this truly possible? I mean, these are things that we've, I think, individually have considered and thought about, and none of us are really coming into this wanting to be, uh, at least I'll speak for myself, I have no, you know, <laughs> fantasies of being this revolutionary leader trying to lead the way for everybody or anything like that. I'm just one person who's got some ideas, and I do believe decentralization is the best way forward, that people stepping up and recognizing their own internal power, their own potential, and because a lot of folks will reach out to me and it's like, man, but I'm not as good a speaker as you are, or I don't know, how, I don't have a big following, or whatever things that they feel limit and hold them back. That is such a huge roadblock right now. I mean, if if anything, the the one of the other virus outside of COVID nineteen is the virus of fear. This virus of uh, you know defeatism that I see is rampant. This is why people have fallen for QAnon and fallen for Bernie Sanders and fallen for Donald Trump because they want that leader, as you said, somebody to kind of step up and give them some form of safety, even if it's an illusory safety that just makes them feel like okay, I can breathe, I can rest. The alliance has things taken care of. The white hats are solving things. I don't have to work real hard or change my life. But the reality, the reality is we have to change our lives. I mean, there's no, I don't see any way that you just make tweaks here and there and, and allow the CIA to continue doing their things in life. You know, there's no way to just keep the system uh, uh, the way it is. I do think we're going to see whether you call it a, a collapse or a restructuring, whatever, but the people need to be prepared for that. And I think decentralization provides the way forward, not only because of the weak points of being centralized, as you mentioned, of we're all in one place, whether that means we're all in one digital place or we're all in one physical location, um, but also it, you know, the idea, the reason globalism doesn't work is because not only if you understand market economics, central planning never works because they can't account for the individual and the individual choice, um, but as I said earlier, the needs of those in Africa are completely different from those in Australia. The needs and desires and resources and environment of those in Mexico are totally different from those in Japan. The cultures are different. You know, the, uh, the expressions are different. But at the heart of it, I think most people uh, who haven't been indoctrinated truly just want to live free, be left alone. Like I said, I walk around Mexico. Most of these people, there's all this fear about violence. Cartels exist in Mexico. These things exist. They're competing cart to the cartel of government <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, but most people are just regular people trying to live their lives. They want to be left alone. They want to come home and feed their kids and enjoy themselves. And I really believe that that's what we all care about. There's just this sickness that has infected the world, this you know parasitic class that has taken over. We have to be able to 
overcome that. And I do think de decentralization can be the way forward. I don't, you know, the, I guess the problem with decentralization is it's hard to make a plan, right? How do you make a plan for a bunch of decentralized groups of people? You try to lead the way. That's what I've always tried to do is lead by example, not because I want people to do as I do, but to just hopefully inspire them to see what works for them. Um, and that's why I came here, man. Like I said, it's a little bit over recognizing that people do want help. And I kind of put it, I put it in paper and put it out into the ether. And it's like, okay, well now here's the time, uh, you know, let's actually do this. Let's make this happen. Uh, but we have to find ways to organize and just, there's nothing that I have seen that says getting centralized, standing behind one leader, whether that's James Corbett or me or uh, QAnon or Donald Trump or anybody that leads to an evolution in humanity and evolution in consciousness, which I think in the long term is what really needs to happen if we're ever going to get past this, and to erase the sickness that has infected the world. You know, one other point I'll make, James, and I think it's somewhat related, is that I I did a video recently trying to make clear that I'm not coming here to run away. I coming came here to build specifically because I don't see any major resistance happening in the U.S. I don't know what it is, but I feel like most people, for all the talk of guns and the revolutionary spirit of America, I don't see it happening. I think I just I think even with this this whole situation, we're seeing an example how quickly people lock themselves in their homes and comply and and uh, allow things to happen that that are just lines in the sand and. I know that there is definitely there's there's pedophiles in government as you have talked about as I have talked about there are people who are in sick twisted places and even getting away to Mexico or, or Japan or anywhere else isn't going to stop them. At some point, these people need to be dealt with. I'm not again not inciting violence, but it, like not only do we need to expose them, but we need to get places that we can survive outside of their system. But at some point, some actual resistance to bringing down their propaganda machine, bringing down the indoctrination that has taken over this planet has to happen. And I don't know what that looks like. I can't be, claim to be you know, the one that's going to put that all together, but I'm becoming more aware of that every day, that just going to Mexico to build the paradise that make me feel better and I can eat healthier and I can be more connected to the earth. But how long is that going to last before this encroaches on what I build, right? And how long is that going to last when I look back in Houston and Texas and the U.S. and see my friends and family dealing with whatever's coming. Um, you know, this is a very difficult reality to accept, but I think that if people can take on the concept of freedom cells and whatever you want to call it, local groups and in general, organizing, unplugging from the system, learning how to survive without their economic system, especially right now, getting your money out of the banks, getting your money out of the stock market, investing in seeds, investing in tangible goods or you know precious metals or whatever you feel like, but getting your money out of their hands, into your hands, somewhere that you're actually holding it and in control of it, uh, as well as unplugging from their unsustainable food system. Hopefully this whole thing is helping people see how unsustainable this whole thing is, how much of a facade it actually is. And when it breaks down, even at the scare of potential lockdown or potential pandemic, people start buying toilet paper. People start you know, emptying out the shelves and things. This should be a sign that you need to get out of that system. You need to unplug from those systems and, and, and join the counter economy and join those of us who are trying to build a better world. So speaking of leading by example, tell us what the next steps are for you and uh, where you see things going in the next weeks and months, and then how can people join you or at any rate find out more information about what you're doing? So 
um, as I said, I've got emails to, to respond to. I've been uh, getting back to everybody I can at who does want to be in Mexico or who are just looking for ideas. Uh, of course, the first thing you know that I would recommend to everybody who's hearing this is to join the Freedom Cell Network if you haven't joined the website. It's just freedomcells.org. We recently relaunched it, so if you're just hearing this conversation and you thought you joined a couple years ago, you're going to have to rejoin. We switched servers and had some issues. But like I said, we have an influx of people joining every single day. Join the website. Add yourself on the profile. Put the, the skills that you have to offer. Put the things that you want to learn from other people. Add yourself to the map. You don't have to put your home address. I wouldn't recommend that. But put your location on the map so that other people can find you and connect to you at least digitally. And then in the real world, you guys can you know, leave the electronics behind and connect and, and build. Um, use the map to find other people. Create cells, all that stuff. That's, I think, what is most important at the moment because there is such an influx of people joining that every day – you might look and there might not be anybody in your community, but the next day there's new people joining. So that's the first thing is we can get everybody who's hearing this and hearing these interviews to join the Freedom Cell Network right now and make use of it. We could do some really great things with that. As far as the future for what I'm doing, I'm I'm here. You know, I came two weeks ago. Legally, technically, you can be a U.S. citizen and be in Mexico for six months before you have to go back. Obviously, there's a bunch of things up in the air, and I have no idea what's going to take place. But I do know that my plans had already been to come to Mexico. I was planning to do it by the end of the year, but this whole situation has just made me move things up a little quicker. Um, we, I'm, I'm building an intentional community that I discussed in my third book that we did an interview uh, about Manifesto of the, the Free Humans, what I was calling the Conscious Agora at the time. Whatever it's called, it doesn't really matter. The point is it's a community that's going to be built around the idea of sovereignty of the individual, the non-aggression principle, around using the permaculture ethics and practices of how you grow food and how you work with the planet in a way that's not destructive and non-invasive and is more fruitful and, uh, and and can help you sustain yourself longer and get all, get out of those unsustainable systems, as well as a community that cares about ideas like nonviolent communication, the holistic self-assessment, and, and trying to do some of that internal work. Because this is just the reality I want to create. I came here to Mexico because I want to build this. This whole situation has just pushed me to do it quicker and to make it happen instead of kind of dreaming about it in some distant future that maybe I'll get to making it a concrete reality. And coincidentally enough, in that book, Manifesto of the Free Humans, I said it was going to start in 2020. And here we are, and it's more important than ever. So I'm here in Mexico for the foreseeable future. Um, we're looking at land. I'm really hoping to make an announcement in the next week or so to uh, give some detail about where I'm at and, and where we're looking for. There's definitely beautiful land that is available here uh, for very reasonable uh, and expensive prices uh, for people who are interested. There's, there's, uh, we're looking in the mountains. We've found waterfalls. We've found good resources and things like that. We're connecting with the locals because I think that's absolutely important. I don't want to come in with any sort of colonizing mindset. We're coming here to connect and help and support. And anything that we do, perhaps we can help the local economy as well because a lot of the locals here in Mexico are out of work. And those folks who live on very little every day, they – they're looking for anybody, you know, any customers, anybody who wants to help them. And that's also part of the counter economy. It's feeding the local economy as opposed to the state and uh, the mainstream economy. So I'm here in Mexico for the foreseeable future. We have a house now. For, you know, we're looking for people who might need a place to lay their head. Uh, and hopefully we can send them on to other projects if we don't collaborate with them directly or at least just get them somewhere where they feel safer. And uh, I look forward to communicating with everybody. I'm actually going to go ahead and set up an email address, James, that by the time this airs, it'll be up. Um, I'm just going to put um, 
Mexico at Proton Mail. If that's available, if not, I'll tell you what exactly it is, and maybe we can put that in the show notes. So if you're hearing this, check the show notes and my email specifically for this project, so I don't overload my other email. If you want to contact me about coming to Mexico or being involved in some way, we'll set up an email just for that, and we'll get that out there. So if you want to contact me, please feel free. I'm making an effort to respond to every single person because I think this concept and these ideas are more important than ever. And again, visit the Freedom Cells website. I have a list of videos that you can just go through on how to use the website, what is the concept, how it applies to weather emergencies, how it applies to pandemic, how it applies to immigration raids and violent cops and all this, these different ideas. But ultimately, the concept is only going to be whatever we choose to make it. All right, excellent. Well, we will have that email address in the show notes, as well as links to the Conscious Resistance Network, as well as freedomcells.org and all of the other resources we talked about today, including, of course, your book, which is available in physical copy, but also for free download. Um, so people can take advantage of that and start getting up to speed. If you haven't even dipped your toe into the counter-economy or agorism or any of these concepts before, well, now is a good time, isn't it? So um, let's get people up to speed on that. Derek, we'll obviously be continuing to be in touch and get some updates. So uh, good luck and uh, to all of us. And let's make it into something because it's not looking for any leader to do it for us. It's what we make of it ourselves. And on that note, we're going to leave the conversation. Derek Bros, thanks for your time. Thank you, James. <laughs>